the crack is back, baby. I'm not going to waste much of your time with these intros this week. We've got all eyes on UFC 287. And given that, I'm speaking to one of my favorite interviews of all time in the sport. It's Eugene Behrman. One of the most unique interviews in all of MMA. The guy is so unique. You ask him a question, you get these big pauses. You know he's thinking about it. He's brutally honest. He's coaching one of the biggest superstars in the sport. And he's always very honest. I love talking to him. It's a big week for European MMA with Aries FC 14 as well. Three title fights on that card. You can watch it on UFC Fight Pass. PFL 2 obviously happened as well this weekend. There's a lot going on. But have a listen to this. The reverence Eugene Behrman speaks about Alex Pereira is unbelievable. And he actually puts Pereira over by speaking about him as one of the greatest knockout artists in the history of UFC or the potential to be one of the greatest UFC knockout artists. But as well as that, he's exuding a lot of confidence. And I think Izzy is as well. I hope he's enjoyed this one. You listen to The Crack. You can get it on the Ariel Hawani Show feeds on Apple, Spotify, and everywhere you get your podcasts. And the interviews from this podcast are featured on the YouTube channel with the same name. Here he is, one of the greatest minds in the sport, Mr. Eugene Behrman. It is UFC 287 Fight Week, the rematch between Alex Pereira and Israel Adesanya. And I can think of no one better in the world to speak to than a man I consider one of the great minds of mixed martial arts. He is the head coach and founder of City Kickboxing. It is Mr. Eugene Behrman. Thank you so much for doing this, Eugene. How are you? Yeah, Peter, no, good, good, mate. Um, yeah, just chilling in a nice, warm Miami morning. Yeah, it looks like a nice spot you've got there for yourself. I saw Israel's place. He's like scar-faced out over there. Do you have a similar kind of setup? I'd expect you to be very similar like that, Eugene. You want all this no, no, kind of Tony no. Montana stuff. Yeah, Israel nowadays is typically... Likes to just get one big, I don't know, but you, what, you wouldn't call a place like this a house, like a big commune. A big, compound. Yeah, compound. So it's got like several places on it. And um, just chucks all the team in there. It's, it's got all everything. It's got everything you need and more kitchens and pools and yeah. It's the way it should be. Uh, well, yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes and no. It's um, it's just the way things are nowadays for for Israel. <laughs> I was looking back to the first time I interviewed you in July 2018, and it's a funny story. And I don't think people believe me when I tell them. I contacted you out of nowhere, like we'd never spoke before, um, and I got your number. I, I think I got your number off a website, like uh, like it was City Kickboxing's website or something. And I contacted you, and it was the funniest message I ever got back off anyone I've asked to interview in my life. You, I think you left me for a day and then you were like, look, I'm going to do this because my missus is giving me a hard time because I keep on turning down TV interviews in New Zealand. I mean, can, can you remember that? Like to see what you've become in terms of like, um, you know, media really covet your interviews and everything like that. I, I just think it's hilarious to look back on that. What, like five years ago? And you're like, my missus is making me do this, mate. That's the only reason why I'm here. <laughs> now, of course, I remember it. I remember it. Um I don't know. I just, I just didn't think. Obviously, I didn't think. I wasn't aware of the scale of things of the UFC and how that all works. And it's just a PR. It's just a PR machine. It's just a big public relations machine. It's one of the biggest ones in the world. And it, and I didn't realize that things would escalate to where it got to. But. Um, one thing I remember, uh, Pete, is I just 
I remember thinking to myself before that, um, I said to myself, I'm just going to just act like I'm in a normal conversation with someone. I think that's the best way to do it. I just don't act any differently to how I would normally act and, and respect to just chatting to someone. And I'll do that and I'll see how it goes. And then, uh, fuck, I've been doing that ever since. <laughs> it's going pretty well, I have to say. I think it's going pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, I've swung the other way where I'm trying to do um, a lot less um, media because, I don't know, you kind of open yourself up um, to the media and uh, it's like a flood. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, of course, uh, I've done very little media and I try to do a lot less. Um, uh, but for you, brother, I always, uh, I always come through. I appreciate that, Eugene. <laughs> That's going to win me mad brownie points, you just saying that. But um, <laughs> I saw you were on uh, Ariel, I think it was last month, you were on the MMA Hour, and you said you would have liked more time for this fight. Do you think being in camp and having gone through the whole process or pretty much the entire process now, um, has that given you more confidence? Would would you say like that's put to the back of your mind now having gone through the full camp? Um, yeah, because um, I think having gone through the camp now in hindsight, I think there's a lot of benefit to jumping into that fight uh, relatively quickly. I can see the benefit, and 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 the main benefit being that um, the fight's still very fresh, like the motivation and and just the fight in Israel's head, and and I'm talking about the the actual fight, like in terms of the energy and the way it went and the way Pereira moved, um, and the things he did, um, that kind of dissipates over the time, and. And what I've seen is the benefit of um, getting this rematch on, like, relatively quickly, I think. I saw in um, episode two of Izzy's blogs he's putting out, and they're fantastic. Uh, we were just discussing them before we uh, started recording this. Um, something he said stuck with me because he said, um, my mindset is different. And after that, there's a little pause, and he says, even with Eugene, the mindset is different. What is he talking about when he says that? Um, yeah, without uh, without alluding to too much, I, I guess. I, no, please, please allude to as much as you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess what me and the coaches have asked for is for him just to take some of the shackles off him that he's put on himself. I think unknowingly. Um, and most of it mentally, we've asked them to take some of those off, and we've been like, "Look how, look what you used to do. Look how you moved. Look at your decision making process then, and look at it now." And we've asked them to reach back um, into kind of yesteryear, into a, into a, into the past. Now I'm not going to tell you how far into the past we've asked him to reach, but um, it's a bit vague, Pete, but 
we still have to get through the fight. So, <laughs> is, is it fair to say that you know that mantra I've heard him say so much in the lead up to this fight? Um, the hunted has become the hunter. Do Do you feel that as well? Like in terms of you guys, I know how close you are, and I can imagine that you feel like you have to get something back here as well. Ah, uh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And those two, it's amazing how those two feelings are not the same. You know, challenging and defending are completely different feelings. And it's quite difficult. It would be difficult for me to answer which one is which one is the tougher out of the two to deal with because I think they're equally as tough. I think challenging for the title comes with its um, obstacles, but I think defending it's a very heavy weight on, on a lot of these champion shoulders as well. Um, but it's definitely, let, let me just kind of say that it's, it's being a challenger is very different, different to being a defender. Psychologically? Or stylistically? It's, Are you talking about technically or... or like I'm talking like across a... the board, to be honest. I'm talking okay. across the board. Um, yeah, I, I'm talking generally, um, you know, and, and kind of like all aspects of the sport, really. One of the my favorite things, and I, I say this to you every time um, I speak to you, one of the coolest things about you is the fact that you've never stopped bollocking these lads. Uh, as, like, as high as they get, you, you never are... You're, they can always still catch a dressing down from Eugene Berman. And we've seen great footage over the years. I think it was Shane in, in Abu Dhabi that time caught uh, the sharp tongue. Love that video. God love Shane, but I love that video. I'm wondering, and you've always been very honest. Like, remember very early on, I was asking you, like, what what will happen? Like, do you think this could change Israel? This, you know, the fact that he seemed on the verge of becoming a superstar. He then became a superstar. And you said, you know, it, it hasn't changed much. I'm allowed to do my job. But I'm wondering, when a fighter loses his title, does it give you more room to work? Do you feel as though, like, you know, your fighters coming off the defeat, their ears open up a lot more. They want they they want a lot more, even though I know you give a lot. But is there more room for you to coach coming off a defeat than, say, a, a, a victory? Nah. <laughs> I, I honestly answer nah, Pete. Like, it's... Um... It is a very, it is one of the strongest elements of our team. And, 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 and the bigger people around us and our team have got, the more, the more me, the coaches and the team have hammered at home. You are, you can be whoever you want when you walk outside the gym, but you are just another piece of shit on the wall when you walk in the gym. You know, your your status. Uh, you have no status. You you are you're a student that comes in the gym, a white belt that's there to learn and contribute to the team, and leave all of that at the door, um, and just come in and you're just a, you're a part of the team like everybody else, and that hasn't changed in Israel, one hundred percent. It has not changed uh, at all. If Israel and everybody from, you name it, from Brad, Dan, Kai, right up to Volk, 
that was here uh, uh, for the last um, hard week of camp. So it, has, it hasn't – that aspect of things hasn't really changed. Like, we, we still get the job done. Um, he's still – is the student and we are still the coaches and the team is the team. Yeah. Israel said this is the toughest uh, camp of his career. Did you design it that way? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the problem in this sport, Pete, is that people keep recording the fights and putting them on TV. And every time you do that, you give the opposition and the enemy, more information on you. And the more information you give them, the tougher and tougher and tougher and tougher uh, it gets um, to keep gaining success. That's just, in, in my opinion, that's just a rule. That's just, if you want, look at every champion and the gap that they make on the competition it all gets closed up. It all gets closed up. Not many champions stay champions forever. Um, you know, you get the likes of Khabib. You get very few that are able to maintain that kind of lofty height. Why is that? Why is that? It's because the opposition is getting more and more and more information uh, each fight that goes past and closes the gap and then and it becomes harder and harder and harder to pull ahead. Um, so yeah, nothing has really changed in that respect. Can you learn anything new about Israel at this stage? Like when you've been through so much with him, but again, like when you when you put him through a, a stringent camp like this and it's ahead of this massive this massive fight, can you still learn new things about a guy like that after so many years? Or or do you think it's you know there's not a lot that you can learn at this stage? No, no, I learn. I think that's primarily why I'm involved in the sport. What, what I love about the sport is you, you learn something. You learn a myriad of things about a person each time you, I mean, we, we call it, you know, like at our gym, we call it the call to war. Like when, you, when someone gets a date and it goes on the whiteboard, that's it. That's the call to war. Every time you go through that process, your name goes on the, you know, your name goes on the whiteboard and goes on under the under a certain date. You're about to, you're, you're about to start an arduous journey, and it's going to be tough, and it's going to reveal something about you. And that happens every single time. You can never stop. You can never stop learning about someone, and you know more so in this experience. You're talking about a guy. I don't know what it would be percentage wise. You're talking a guy who's. I would have had uh, over 120 fights now who's lost only a handful. So is this as as losing a familiar feeling over over the over a decade, more than a hundred fights? No, nah, it's not. It's not a familiar feeling. Is a rematch a familiar feeling? No, it's not. So that experience in itself, although there's a few times that we can draw back on some experiences, like it's it's uh you're going to learn something new about someone just because they haven't hasn't been the normal process that we've gone through. So what is it, if you had to say, what is the big thing you've learned about Israel Adesanya in this camp? What, what would you say it is? <laughs> um, the biggest thing is, in my opinion, 
and only in my opinion, is that that man's mind is the strongest in the sport, the toughest in the sport, the most mentally resilient in the sport. And there might be people here that'll argue, they'll talk about a Justin Gaethje and they'll talk about a Michael Chandler and they'll talk about how they take a lot of punishment and they push through and they'll talk about that kind of discipline and mental resilience. But that, that it's, it's, that's not the type of, necessarily the type of mental resilience I'm talking about. The real mental toughness is when you take a loss and when you have to when when you have to get into a fight and you have to get into a fight deep and everything you know every fiber in your body your mind is telling you that you need to stray from the strategy stray from the tactics you're you're tired the mental toughness to stay disciplined and on your strategy and and keep doing what you're doing and trusting in yourself and your team you know that's a that's a mental resilience that uh, Justin Gaethje or Michael Chandler hasn't shown I guarantee when they get into the heat of it their coaches aren't telling them to do that this is the type of mental resilience I'm talking about it's more resilience is probably the wrong word a mental discipline Israel has the strongest mind in the sport in terms of that I was seeing the, as I said, I've been watching these blogs. I love them, to be honest. I think they're great. Um, no, I don't watch them. You don't like them. You've had some funny parts, man. You've been, you've been a starring character. I'm you sure. Make, you're walking into I'm the sure. gym, making lads make human pyramids. Everyone's shitting themselves. It's fantastic. I'm sure they've tried to, I'm sure they've tried to make me look good. I hope. But, oh yeah. Um, you look great. Always look great. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Carry on, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, one one of the things that I, I see people going crazy online, and I know you're a big guy on IG and Twitter. I know you're never off these apps, but I'd just like to tell you, I know you've already seen it, but everybody's talking about the wrestling footage. Like Izzy's hitting some sweet takedowns in these in these video blogs. And you're talking about mental discipline. And and I know you did this yourself because you're a toy box for years and you're a black belt. For a guy who's so high level, a striker, to start working on this other element where you have to be the nail before you can be the hammer. And now to see him pulling through this, I, I think that's really impressive. I've always thought that was impressive when guys can switch disciplines and learn a completely different martial art. But how big has that been? Because when I watched that first fight back, some some like the big moments in it are how good he is in the grappling exchanges, how he's working from clinching to takedowns, things like that. Like it, has that has that been increased based on what you saw in the first fight in terms of? his focus towards grappling and wrestling and things like that, or is it very similar this time around? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the most dominant round he had in the fight was the wrestling round. and Third round, right? Yeah, yeah. And he knows uh, that that's a tool in his toolbox that he has available to him. But, I, I mean... Yeah, I mean, we 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 didn't necessarily have a plan to in the third round to wrestle. That was an instinctive thing that he did, 
and was able to pull off any. He was able to do that well because he's. I mean, we. It's. it's uh, when you come from a predominantly striking gym, you do a lot of wrestling to make up for the shortfall and kind of the discipline that you're a specialist in. So um, I don't know if there'd be many camps that have as much wrestling in their week-to-week activity than us, than CKB. Um, there might be, because I'm not inside any other camp, though, but um, it's a big workload in terms of the amount of wrestling we do. Like it's just, and, and that just goes part and parcel with, um, you know, trying to push on the, trying to push on the world and our main discipline where we think we excel a little bit and that's just the, the striking and the standing up. So um, Israel's, uh, he's, he's well-rounded and fully aware to, to, and fully able to instinctively take it where he needs to. I saw um, an interview with you. I think you did it a couple of weeks ago. Anyway, the headline was, um, you compared uh, Pereira to a Tyson or a Foreman. You say a lot of people will rarely fight a guy like this. Maybe once or twice in your career, you fight a guy with this kind of unworldly power. You know, is, is he that different? Like in terms of what you've seen throughout your career, I mean, thousands upon thousands of fights that you've cornered. You know, you've probably had hundreds of fights yourselves across several disciplines. Is he that much of an anomaly, do you feel? And why is it that you see him as a Tyson or a Foreman? Oh, no, 100% he is. Um, he's definitely 100% an anomaly. He's an anomaly because you just, like, there's two schools of thought in this combat sports world, and that's that you're born with power or there's the other school of thought that you can develop it and you, beca- you can become a knockout puncher. And you can, you, you can... You can enhance your ability to knock someone out for sure, but there's a there's a hundred percent a difference between someone who is born with the ability to shut someone's lights out naturally without having without having lifted a single weight in their life or done any sort of plyometrics or anything to help increase punching power, and someone who has to develop it. There's two those those are two different people, and that ability. Um, that, I mean, that doesn't get seen in the combat sports world much, uh, whether it be boxing, kickboxing, whatever. And and we have, and, and it, Pereira has that ability. Pereira doesn't do anything conventionally. Um, I mean, I've studied the way he punches. It's not necessarily the way that I would teach someone to punch, but it's obviously effective and it's got me it's it's made me rethink about the way that you can rethink the way that you can generate force and power the way that he punches it's not it's you're questioning not, it, physics yeah yeah but uh, i'm lucky i have great coaches around me and and we we were able to figure out that it's sometimes it's not about rotational force and power. Sometimes it's about the way that you distribute your weight over your front foot as you punch. And 
it's really opened my mind up to the possibility that there is other ways to generate massive amounts of power and Pereira does it. And man, the other thing that Pereira, the other gift that Pereira has, which is very, very rare, is Pereira has this unique ability to take punishment and be seemingly unaffected. And if he is affected, time and time again in his um, kickboxing career, he just comes back from it. He just he just recovers. And that's, and that's testament to his conditioning and stuff, but it's also testament to something deeper than that, like his guts, but also there's some genetics there that help him absorb punishment and, and recover from punishment. That's, that's unique. And the, the, the punching power is a gift and a curse because you have this power and you have the, the, the punching power and the very good chin is a gift and a curse because if you understand, it doesn't, it sometimes makes you neglect some of the subtleties of the sport um, uh, in terms of your defense, in terms of your range. Um, you have this power and you have this chin and you're able to absorb punishment, but it's made him very neglectful of some of the other skills in the sport that um, that, 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 that we think that you need. And and those are the things that, you know, a lot of those things are the things that other fighters and obviously we are trying to take advantage of. Have you spent more time breaking down and watching tape of Alex Pereira than any other fighter, do you think? Based on, like, this is the fourth time, like, the way you're speaking out there with such reverence, it's, it's very refreshing to, to hear, to be honest. Yeah. Um, do you think you've probably studied him more than any other fighter? Well, not your own guy? It's probably the second most studied fighter. Um, Max was the first. Max, right. Yeah, because Max, Max is a problem. <laughs> but but Pereira is a problem as well. Do you think we've ever seen a knockout artist like him in MMA? Like, I'm just thinking of, like, how rare you're saying this is and, you know, thinking of how many fights you've coached guys for. Like, do you, do you think there's been many of them, like, in the UFC in terms of what we've seen on the biggest stage? Not really. Not really. Um, in Ghana, and you got you got to remember, um, you know, a lot of people are going to reference a whole lot of heavyweights and stuff, right? Yeah, of course. Hunt, Hunt is coming to mind, all these guys. Yeah, you know? but a whole lot. Like, But you, you got to remember, if you put a lot of those heavyweights in, in 10 or 12-ounce gloves, they're not going to do nothing. You know, they're, they're not going to have what the industry would consider the special, unique power that, that, that I'm talking about. You know, if you put a lot of these guys in 10 or 12-ounce gloves against a heavyweight boxer, they're not going to hurt nothing. Part of the reason that they are considered knockout punches because you're putting those tiny gloves, uh, you, you're putting those tiny gloves against uh, uh, on their on their fists. You're they're such huge men, and um, you're putting them up against people who don't have the most sophisticated defense. In Pereira, you can put any size gloves on them, <laughs> from from four ounce up to 16, 18, 20 ounce. It's not going to matter. Like if you have it. You simply have it. There's nothing that, that, that no matter what sport you do or what's on your hands. And so, in, in that respect, uh, just off the top of my mind, now no, there's been no one in the UFC that can do that. 
So he's I mean, the greatest knockout artist it. in the UFC, do you feel? Um, he, he's only been in the UFC for a quick of course. second. Of course. So he could be. He could be. Um, you know, he could be. Regardless of if he loses against Israel, you know, on, on Saturday night, he still could be. But he, he's obviously only – the thing is he's only been in the UFC for a minute. But he – Let's just say he's he's one of the greatest knockout artists to come into the UFC, and then he he could be earmarked to become one of the greatest knockout artists to be in the UFC. He's just only been in there for three seconds. Absolutely, absolutely. I have two more for you, Eugene. And this is magic. Yeah. I love picking your brain, mate. Um, <laughs> this obviously means a lot to Izzy, right? How much does it mean to you? Not as much as it means to him. Um, uh, but it's still very meaningful to me. It's meaningful to me because I've tackled this problem three times now, and it'll be a fourth on Saturday. And all three of those fights. I thought I've, I thought that me and my coaching team had done enough. <laughs> you know, I thought we won the first one. The second one, we were, we were sitting pretty, and it just shows in the sport that you're never sitting pretty till the fat lady sings. And in the third one, we were 3-1 up, so we were, we were sitting pretty then. And so I, it's a big challenge because we just thought we – we think we've done a great job and then Pereira comes in and just tests us and then just blows us out of the water and it makes us, it challenges us, it challenges us, you know, intellectually, like, man, man we've tried and we've come so close and we've been winning and, and, and all those fights and we just can't get it right. We just can't, there's just something missing and it, what it does is it just pushes you to a new level intellectually I'm talking about and um, so to, to get over to get over that like last little hurdle to conquer this last challenge of fighting someone with these this dynamite um, that's going to be very satisfying to me and the coaches a lot of people see Pereira as the stone in Izzy's shoe the thorn in his side is he the thorn in your side is he the stone in your yeah. shoe yeah but not I mean yeah, a little bit, a little <laughs> bit. Like, the, well, because I, I try not to take th these things are never personal for me. They're never personal for me. They get personal for Israel, but they're never personal to me. I, I, I'm like, you know, I, I have fifty fighters, and I, I know that world like the back of my hand. Like these guys, man, I don't hate on any fighter. Like Pereira is a guy from an impoverished background who has kids and a family who he's trying to provide for the same as Israel. Like, I don't like that. They, these guys do the most honorable thing in the world. They put their life and their health on the line to support their loved ones. I don't feel hate towards anybody. You know, I don't feel, feel anything. So in, in that regard, in terms of being the thorn on a, on a personal level, no, in, in terms of like the challenge, the challenge that he provides, yeah, massive. Like he he is, yeah. In terms of the challenge that he provides and 
trying to mitigate that power and trying to get us through the fight. Um, yeah, that that I see as the ultimate challenge. Yeah, that's that's a bastard to deal with. <laughs> well, no better way to finish it off than there, Eugene. That was absolutely magic, my friend. Um, I wish you all the best of luck. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. And um, yeah, have a safe flight home and wish everyone in the gym all the best from me, man. Nah, thank you, brother. Great to talk to you again. Thank you so much to the great Eugene Behrman. I don't know about you guys, but I'm absolutely buzzing for this fight after that. I can't stop thinking about it. Like, I had rewatched the fight, the first MMA fight they had at UFC 281 before I spoke to Eugene, obviously. And I, I had rewatched it since the fight anyway. I found myself watching it again after I spoke to him. What a great guy. My God. We'll be back next Tuesday. I cannot wait. We have our full preview for UFC 287 up on the Ringer MMA show feed on Spotify. We will be going live on Twitter Spaces post UFC 287. We being Ariel Hawani, the great one. The other great one, Chuck Mendenhall. The other great one, TST. And me. I'm not that great, but you know, I'll get there one day. We love you loads. See you next Tuesday for the crack. And on Thursday, of course. You can get on the Ariel Hawani show feeds on Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcasts. And of course, the interviews are featured on the YouTube page as well. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the fights. I love you very much. Bye.